Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Well, it was a lot of questions that needed to be answered on Saturday. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered later today in the NFL. Some were answered. Some were not. We'll ask the ones that weren't. We'll try to answer the ones that maybe we know a little bit more about. As football was all over the place, there was some baseball played as well. There are stories all across the sports landscape. And Antonio Brown wants to come back to the NFL because, of course, he does. While he's got eight separate grievances filed against two different teams trying to recoup over $37 million in lost money because he's a moron. Anyway, we're coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. Welcome in. My name is Jason Martin out of Nashville, Tennessee, where we do the show here. The crew is out in Los Angeles. Eric Roberts, Chris Perfett, Brian Finley, who does not sound like himself. He sounds as if the fall weather has taken its toll on him, but he's going to fight through it because that's what he does. This is where dreams come to live, not Death Valley, where seasonal dreams go to die, which is basically what Ed Orgeron said to Tom Rinaldi right before they kicked off in Baton Rouge, that LSU-Florida game tonight or last night, which was a lot of fun. You can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. You can call us at 877-99 on Fox. That's 996-6369. Also, the question I'll ask is, what did you see that opened your eyes the most on Saturday? And who needs a win the most today in the NFL? Those are the two questions, but you can talk to me about uh, whatever it is that you might want to. And I'm blessed beyond measure, all reasonable, and otherwise hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this finds you and yours doing exceedingly well in your lives. It's going pretty well for Joe Burrow right now at LSU. (sighs) 21 of 24, 293 yards and three touchdowns. This is from David Hale, who does a great job for ESPN. The list of players who've completed 70% of their passes with three touchdowns and 300 total yards against Florida in the past decade. That list is Joe Burrow. Last night. That was it. He's the only one that's been able to do that. Now, we had seen... LSU's offense just torched some bad defenses and bad football teams. This was the one that really stood out. Now, yes, they dealt with Texas, but Texas has a bit of a questionable defense at best. But this was a real defense. This was a real secondary. Auburn looked abysmal against Florida a week ago. And they were just rolling. But it didn't even matter in this game. 42-28, to 
And I won't do my top 10 right now, but before the end of the show, I'll give you my top 10 teams in college football. And I'll go ahead and give you the spoiler right now. I think LSU should be number one because they have such a powerful couple of wins. And last night in particular just stands out. That offense can play, and it can play with anybody in the country. It's kind of odd because we have a season where it looks like Oklahoma has a defense and LSU's defense might be their Achilles heel if anything because they're going to have to score a lot of points it would seem usually LSU doesn't have a quarterback they try to run the football and they have a stellar defense and usually they have some crazy great wide receivers that can make a play here and there this year they have a powerful offense a confident quarterback who can flat out sling it especially with what Joe Brady is doing for Joe Burrow Joe Brady who was the passing game coordinator for the Saints Last year, Orgeron brings him on the staff, and all of a sudden LSU's offense looks entirely different than what we saw one season ago. And Oklahoma is known for scoring 50 and losing by 20 because their defense has been non-existent. And that's not just a Lincoln-Riley problem. That's been a Big 12 problem. It goes way back into the Bob Stoops era as well, where these offenses just blitz each other the to death during the regular season they're not tested then they run into an actual team and then when the offense gets stymied and only can put up 20 points they get blown out because their defense just cannot stop the size from somebody else but Oklahoma on Saturday was led by CeeDee Lamb and the defense Hertz was not great I was planning to come in here and talk about Hertz and his Heisman contention and I still think it's there But if you're handing it out today, it's going to Joe Burrow, and I don't even think it's a very difficult decision to make. Trevor Lawrence had a really good day. Clemson beat Florida State's brains in, but Florida State's nothing impressive. Trevor Lawrence has already done enough this season to make it really difficult for him to win the Heisman, whether or not you think he's the best player in college football or not. And this goes back to something that we discussed on this program a couple of different times prior to the start of the season, which is... It's not going to be nearly as much fun to be Trevor Lawrence now because now that the cat is out of the bag as to how good he is, all he can do is let down absurd expectations. It doesn't matter how good he plays. It's still not going to be good enough for some people. And if he goes out there and he has two touchdowns and no interceptions, then he's had a terrible day. That's the scale that he's put himself on. And it's, I mean, that's just because he's, he was so good when he had to be when he came in last year and certainly what he did to Alabama is not going to be forgotten and what he did to Notre Dame is not going to be forgotten but he had nowhere to go but down until he gets to the NFL but even then he's being compared to Elway he's being compared to Peyton Manning he's being compared to Andrew Luck he seems to have everything but even though Clemson is undefeated they're sort of an afterthought even in my rankings they're a bit of an afterthought But when you look at the Heisman, you look at, usually it's somebody who stands out, maybe that's not expected sometimes. And I was all set to come in here prior to the start of the day, just based on what I thought might happen, because I don't think Texas's defense is that good, and I did think Oklahoma would win the game. I didn't think it would be a blowout. It was not. It was a good football game with some really unbelievable plays. Lamb is something else. He's basically a video game character on the field with some of the moves that he made 
on Saturday in the Red River rivalry and what he's done all season long. He's going to be a beast in the pros. You know where I've been on Jalen Hurts the whole time. And because I knew Oklahoma hadn't played anybody, I wasn't putting too much stock into what we had seen. He played against Texas, and he wasn't great by any means on a night where Joe Burrow was unbelievable against an incredible defense, one that objectively as well as subjectively leaps off the page to you in terms of what they can do to opposing quarterbacks. Now he was playing in friendly confines, and I was talking to my wife and saying, we've got to plan a trip on a Saturday night to go see LSU play at home because I've never been in Death Valley for a night game, and I've heard that might be the best atmosphere in all of college football, especially for a big game. I've been to a lot of the bigger stadiums, but that's one that you just – there were moments where you couldn't hear Fowler and Herb Street, or if you're listening on the radio, you couldn't hear the radio broadcasters because it was that loud. And so you ask Kyle Trask, the junior who finally gets his chance, and I thought played pretty well to go into that. That was an awfully tough assignment for him. But Burrow just seems to have poise for miles and miles and miles, especially at home because he was feeding off of that crowd. 42-28, to putting up 40-plus points, and I think it's his ninth consecutive game now, Burrow, and this dates back to last season, where he's had 20 or more completions. There are NFL teams that would take that right now all day. I'm not saying Joe Burrow's going to be some great pro. I am saying he seems to be able to make all the throws, and he has taken gigantic leaps. He hasn't taken steps for LSU or steps for mankind. He has taken leaps. He is on the moon. And I want to know, and we're never going to really get the answer to this, how much Joe Brady being added to this team on the coaching staff has changed everything about this offense what was so conservative for years and years and years whether it was coach o or whether or not certainly it was less miles it is so aggressive and in your face and daring you to stop it now and if you do shut down 84 for example or if you shut down the passing game a little bit burrow will move it on his on his own he's a bigger guy and he doesn't have a problem throwing that weight around or they can actually run the ball. The offensive line played stellar football against Florida, bullied them around, and it seemed to me that as that game wore on, LSU felt like they were going to win the game and Florida was hanging on for dear life. So once you got the interception from Trask, that was enough to get the job done. Burroughs Heisman candidacy, right now it's his to lose. Tua looked pretty good, not great. He missed a couple of throws, as a matter of fact, against A&M. But A&M is not what many assumed A&M was going to be coming into the season. They were barely in the top 25. Kellen Mond has not looked particularly good at any point this season. And he looked okay in the first half. And then Alabama did what Alabama does. Alabama, you, you can sometimes play with them for about a quarter and a half and then in the last five or six minutes of the first half, they'll turn you over or they'll do something on special teams or they'll make one big play. And for some reason, even though the score differential doesn't look like the game's been blown wide open, you've lost all confidence and optimism that you can actually win that football game. And then they come out in the third quarter, and before you know it, it's like 40-13 to 13 and the ball game is over. 
This one, Texas A&M was able to stay in because of a penalty that he raced what would have been an interception for touchdown. It would have turned that into a 40-14 to game. But still, Alabama won that thing, what, 47-28? to Many already looking to LSU versus Alabama. I know I am. Are they both going to get there undefeated? They're the last two teams left in the SEC undefeated because Georgia, ladies and gentlemen, georgia in ways that... I, it's amazing to me because South Carolina tried to South Carolina that thing over and over again. Muschamp tried to Muschamp it, but Kirby Smart out Kirby Smarted himself and Georgia Georgia. I just invented like four or five new verbs and everybody who watched that game and knows anything about Southeastern Conference football or knows Will Muschamp or Kirby Smart's act knows exactly what I'm talking about and is nodding in approval right now. That was a calamity of a football game. So much so that Banner Society, I really enjoy what Stephen Godfrey and Spencer Hall and those guys are doing right now over at SB Nation. Put together a 17-point list of the most ridiculous and nonsensical things that took place during that Georgia-South Carolina game in Athens between the hedges on Saturday that proved yet again that as good as Georgia can be, For some reason, they're going to do this to you. Last week, they played a bum first half against Tennessee, but it's Tennessee, so they were able to make that comeback. South Carolina wasn't great, but they were good enough, even trying to lose, and even with some boneheaded coaching moves, they still found a way to beat Georgia. Don't tell me Georgia needs to be in the college football playoff. Don't tell me they're on the same level with Alabama right now. Don't tell me they're on Clemson's level. Don't tell me they're on LSU's level. The one thing, I have not been more wrong about anything in sports, most likely, than this. And maybe I I will say the same thing about Jalen Hurts by the end of this year as well. I did not think it was going to work for Ed Orgeron at LSU. I thought that was going to be a short-term proposition that was going to go poorly, and they would move on from him relatively quickly. I am here to tell you I think that I am wrong about that. I think that that Brady makes a big difference on that staff. But Orgeron feels right for that job. He's good to have in the SEC. The things that he says and the way in which he says them, I hope that he's able to stick around for a while. But there is an energy and an infectious nature to what's happening at LSU that has been absent from that program for some time. And if they're going to have an offense like this, they're going to be able to continue recruiting. People are going to want to play for him, and that's going to make it more interesting. Kirby Smart in Georgia took a step back while LSU took a Carl Lewis, Bob Beeman long jump forward on Saturday. Georgia, the number three team in the country. I think that loss right there and the way in which they found a way to lose it over and over again when they had about five or six breaks go their way, any one of which could have won the football game, That's a one loss where I look at if everybody has one loss at the end of the year, they better not get into the college football playoff. And they're going to have an opportunity because of what side of the SEC they play on to play their way into it by winning the SEC championship game, potentially if they can make it that far without falling over their own shoelaces as they did on Saturday against South Carolina. So we'll talk more about this Georgia thing. I might run through this list. When we come back, the question that I'm asking all program, and you can tweet me at jmartzone, or you can call us at 877-99 on Fox. That's 
and tell me what opened your eyes the most in college football on Saturday and what team needs a win the most today as week six of the NFL season begins in London with Panthers and Bucks at 9.30 Eastern time this morning? Those are the two questions. I'll answer them because we'll go through the entire Sunday slate in the third hour like we do every single week, and I will rank the college football teams for you a little bit later on in the program as well. So I'll tell you what opened my eyes, but I think I've already kind of given that away. LSU. LSU is the best team in the country for my money today. They have flaws, yes, but that offense, I just don't know what's going to be able to contain that. I don't see who can contain that. But LSU and Oklahoma both making some cases on Saturday in interesting sort of un-LSU, un-Oklahoma historic ways, and it was fun to watch. We'll be right back. Just off and running here on a Sunday morning. Glad to have you with us here on Fox Sports Radio. Jason Martin Show continues right after this. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios, Jason Martin Show here on FSR, brought to you by Geico. And if you want to hear something amazing, it's this. Discover matching. All the cash back you earn at the end of your first year automatically, and there is no limit to how much they're going to match. Millions of people a year getting their cash back matched. It is Discover Cash Back Match. What are you waiting for? Learn more at discover.com slash cash back match. little tool for you coming back. I've not heard that else? new album yet. Yeah, I was gonna say I haven't. I haven't listened to it either. Need to check that out sometime. Yeah, they they had a moment for a little bit. I thought that that I think the fifth record, Ten Thousand Days, that's the one where I just kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know, couldn't stick with it. But there was a time when it was really rolling. Lateral Us, in in particular, Lateral and Enema were both really good. Yeah. But yeah, Lateral Us was something else. It really was. Joe Burrow was something else. Yesterday for LSU. Also, did you see Jalen Hurts go behind his back, spinning the ball to avoid a sack? I don't know that I'm going to be wrong about Jalen Hurts because there's still a lot of football left to be played. But the one thing that you can certainly say today is that Lincoln Riley, I mean, he's got a third straight quarterback in a third straight year. And a different guy each time, at least in the conversation for the Heisman. Hertz is behind Joe Burrow right now. He might be behind Tua. I might still say it's Burrow and then it's Hertz, even though Jalen didn't look great against Texas on Saturday. He still made some plays. Riley's had to change what he does a little bit for OU because of Hertz's skill set and the skill set that he lacks to some degree. But he has thrown it a little bit better, and he's been asked to throw it a little bit more. And all of that is entertaining. And I know I haven't mentioned Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin. Uh, He's ridiculous. 
but I don't think that it's going to go to anybody that's not a quarterback this year, especially with the three or four guys near the top that we already know about. I haven't mentioned Justin Fields either. Fields and the Buckeyes did not play on Saturday. That's really maybe the only reason I haven't mentioned them yet because they've been as good as anybody in the country as well. Up top, you can make arguments for different teams as to who should be up top, but the, the, the team that you can no longer make that argument about is Georgia because of whatever it was that Georgia felt the need to do against South Carolina. So two of the writers at the Banner Society put together a power ranking inside this game of 17 different points that all needed to be mentioned that were absurd about South Carolina and Georgia. I don't even know. I haven't read them all yet. Matter of fact, I just kind of I just got this article because it just hit my email a couple of minutes ago. But one thing I want to talk about real quick. I know this is not like a banner take exactly. What is up with Will Muschamp's glasses? This like grandfather act that he's doing, and he still had them like this in the post game press conference. And I was waiting for them to fall off of his nose because the nose pads, as they're called, that sort of hold them on the nose, the nose pads were like against the end of his nose, the very tip of his nose. His glasses were so low, he looked like he should be telling you where the L encyclopedia was in the reference section in a 1980 college library and probably wearing a plaid skirt. What is this? I mean, you can wear whatever it is that you want. Now, I've already made my take before on visors. I don't know if I've ever done it on this show. Maybe I need to stop and actually do that right now. If you wear a visor, I believe you are a terrible person. There are a couple of exceptions, and college football coaches can often go into this. Dana Holgerson, because of his hair, that lettuce needs to be out there for the world to see. And Steve Spurrier, I mean, they could call they called him the visor, for crying out loud. The OBC, the old ball coach, he can rock that. Most people in daily life, and look, you might be a visor wearer, and yes, this is tongue-in-cheek and kind of a joke, kind of. So please don't take this personally. The one time that I did this in Nashville, people were actually upset about it because no one can take a joke anymore. But if you see like people walking around in daily life, and they are wearing visors, by and large, those are people you probably don't want to have a conversation with. And they're probably also the ones that have their sunglasses around their neck with croakies. There's a certain look to a visor. If you're on a golf course, you can wear a visor. If you're on the sidelines of a college football game, you can wear a visor. Outside of that, I would advise not doing it. Because there is a a Massengill container look that comes along with it is the tactful way that I can say that. But Muschamp's glasses. I don't know if anyone else saw this or if this was just me. But this was so distracting, it was hard to even watch. It's like, why are you trying to act smart? And at the same time, on fourth and three from the Georgia 40, in a tie football game with less than a minute left, you put out a kicker whose career long was 49 and asked him to knock in a 57-yard field goal. 
handing Georgia the football back after the obvious miss. And when I mean miss, this thing never had a chance. And you gave Georgia back the football in a tie game, and somehow Georgia did not win that game. That's nonsense in itself. But the glasses act's got to go. It looked absurd. Go and try to find the press conference if you don't know what I'm talking about. And just see the feat of strength that these glasses are pulling off staying on this man's face. And why does he have them on? Next, we're going to see trifocals on Will Muschamp. But back to this Banner Society article. Some of the things that they talked about. They said, to account for all this stupid, we need the power of a ranking within a ranking. So the number one thing that they mention is they left Ryan Holinsky in the game, meaning South Carolina, the quarterback. He gives his mom the okay sign, and he's basically got one leg. And you see that leg go out. So he's Monty Python the night at this point in the Holy Grail. And he was a large reason why they won. But he's banged up, and who knows what that means for the future of South Carolina past that one game. It was a big win, but what did it cost them? Then the second thing he mentions is Muschamp going for that 57-yard field goal, which I didn't have to read because I witnessed it, and it was absurd. Number three, Georgia tries a game-winning field goal of their own because they're on the South Carolina 38 with less than 15 seconds left. They run two plays, back-to-back, that get zero yards. Then they lose five yards on a penalty, a pre-snap penalty for an illegal shift. And then they don't let Blankenship kick on the last play of regulation. Blankenship, who hadn't missed in forever, missed twice on Saturday. That's a recipe for disaster as well. If you choose to put your fate in the hands of a place kicker, I don't care if you're in the NFL or if you're in college football, That is not a good way to live. I tweeted that out a few weeks ago, and somebody yesterday quote tweeted it and said, I believe that's in Proverbs. It may well be. Georgia got five first downs in this game because of South Carolina penalties. Three of those happened on third down and one on fourth down. And then Georgia had 30 first downs to South Carolina's 16, put up 171 more yards than them, and then dealt in the second half against somebody that only had thrown, I think, 14 passes before everything that went down. Because, of course, the Holinsky thing didn't go well when he got finally knocked out of the game, and now I have no idea if he has a functioning leg at all. DeCarian Joyner is his name. He had 14 career pass attempts. And once he got in the game, South Carolina ran every time they touched it. 13 times, the last 13 times, 13 offensive plays, they ran the ball. And Jake Fromm threw 51 times and Georgia lost. At home to South Carolina without their starter once he went down. Unbelievable stuff here. I mean, you you could go on and on. Like I said, this 17-point thing, all of it is ridiculous. But Georgia was number three going in. They did not look particularly great last week at all against Tennessee on the road. And then they got beaten by a team that had them beaten several different times but left the door open for a good football team to escape. And that's what we talk about so often is the Patriots escaped. They had a bad performance, but they escaped. Back in the day, the Steelers, Roethlisberger, and that crew, they would escape. 
The Yankees would escape. The Red Sox would escape. Alabama would find a way to escape. The Warriors coming back on Oklahoma City. Remember the Saturday night, that one Saturday night game in the regular season a few years ago where Steph Curry hit a half-court shot to beat the Thunder. The Warriors escaped. Good teams have to, at some point, escape. You're not going to beat everybody by 50. That's very, very rare. If you do that, eventually you're probably actually going to lose. The teams that you should worry about or the ones that I feel the best about are the ones that have escaped a few times because another word for escape is challenged, tested, and still found a way. And I look at Clemson, who hasn't been particularly impressive at times this season, but they're the defending national champions with the most dangerous quarterback in in the country. Regardless of his stats today, we know how good he is because we heard nothing but how great he was from the second he beat Alabama onward. There is a an escape mentality to Clemson that tells me they're going to be there in the end. And they have a cake schedule as well, for the most part. Finding ways to sort of slip through the eye of the needle is a recipe for future success. When you see teams that are doing nothing but boat racing, then you're like, all right, well, what's going to happen when that boat takes on water? Well, we've seen some of these teams take on water early, but still escape. I'm still waiting to see LSU have to escape. Alabama has not been in a situation where they've been tested either. Ohio State really has not. Oklahoma didn't escape. They ran into their rival, and they ran into a tough football team. But I don't think anybody thinks Texas is quite to their level just yet. But it was a a good statement for that defense, if nothing else. Let's go to Brian Finley. Let's see if he's gotten some lemon tea or whatever it might be. Brian, you don't sound like you're feeling good, my friend. I don't think I'm wrong about this. Yeah, I got a cold, Jason. I feel like I'm towards the better end of getting on the good side of things, but still, it's not quite where I want to be. But you know what? You just got to power through, right? You know, that's what you got to do. And that's exactly what number one Alabama did. They mopped up number 24 Texas A&M, 47-28. Two had four touchdown throws. Number five LSU living up to the hype. As the horn sounds, and this one is in the books. Tigers win. Tigers win. 42-28 over the Gators of Florida. Chris Blair via LSU Sports Radio Network. Joe Burrow passed for 293 yards in this game. And second-ranked Clemson body slams Florida State 45-14. 21 straight wins for the Tigers. South Carolina flabbergasts number three Georgia 20-17 in double overtime after the Bulldogs blew a field goal in the second OT. It's Geico Ween, which means it is October. Get a Geico quote, and you could save so much it's scary. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. To baseball, the Yankees ransacked the Astros 7-0 in Game 1 of the ALCS. Glaber Torres electrified with five RBI, including a home run. Here's Torres after the game. Are you surprised at what you've been able to do at such a young age? Not really. During my career in minor league, uh, I'm prepared really well myself. For every situation last year, I take all the experience, and now I just put all the experience in my game. Jason Martin sounds like a very boastful, very prideful Glaber Torres. Back to you. I guess he deserves to be. (laughs) Sure. 
After that performance, 7-0, I, I really felt like Houston, if they got by us, Tampa Bay, that was who I'd pick most of the year to win. I know that the L.A. crew out oh. there, and I know not all of you are from L.A., but, I mean, are the Dodgers the Dodgers are in the territory of, like, the Washington Capitals and all of these teams that just turn out to find a way not to get it done. How have they not at least won one World Series in this last handful of years when – a lot of people have said they're the best team year in and year out, and it seems to be a lot of it falls at the foot of Kershaw. Yeah, over and over again. Yeah, it does. And you know, Jason, I'm from San Diego, so I've been a lifelong suffering Padres fan. We're just lucky to make the playoffs once in a lifetime. So for everybody in LA complaining, it's like if you only knew what it was like to be a Padres fan. <laughs> yeah, well, no kidding. I'm a Braves fan, sure. and we saw what happened in Game Five against the Cardinals. That 10 run first inning there was a question being asked around the media that that i know here in nashville as to whether or not you'd rather just miss the playoffs than get to a closeout game and lose 13 to 1 i assume you probably want to but if you were a padres fan yes no doubt about it yeah welcome back go ahead who's talking i'm sorry uh you're you're good chris you know i i just wanted to say for myself as a a tigers fan like this this did feel like kind of those early 20 2012 2013 tigers where the Detroit Tigers, they had all that pitching prowess, but then like you ask them to do work on the bullpen, and immediately what happens is they just give up a grand slam to Big Poppy, and the game's over. So yeah, just, it, and, same kind of thing happened here. It's it it, it really is wild. Like I, I mean, again, I'm not an LA guy, but I've been watching every other producer, and I think Eric Roberts here is declining to weigh in just because the pain is too real. I'm, as a, I'm sitting here in a Bills sweatshirt. I'm just happy oh, they yeah. didn't get to a third World Series and lose a third one, and then the Bills and the Dodgers uh, comparisons would have started Your rolling Bills are, out there. Yeah, you know what? Bills is another really good one to put out. I mean, I'm a Braves fan, and other than 95 when we finally beat the Indians, we had all of that pitching, and we had a good lineup around it, and we found a way not to win in like three straight World Series that was that was tough. Bills fans feel that pain. So you're yeah. a Dodgers guy too. Eric? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm a huge Dodgers guy. So, but oh. there's just something about a 106 win season and a failing to launch. I guess you could say so. But it, were you even surprised at this point? Um, no. The way they were playing and the way games were trending, it, it just felt like everything was kind of hanging on a nail. They didn't have that dominance feel that they had through most of the year. Um, uh, and then it's just it's it's come to a numbing feeling almost where it's like something's gonna go wrong, it's gonna go wrong, and it just always seems to happen to fall at the feet of Kershaw, whether or not it's a questionable uh, management call. I mean, there's here neither here nor there. It just seems to always be coming out of Kershaw's hand when it goes over the fence at the wrong time. And so. when I, yeah. I watched Dodgers fans, and when I saw when Joe Kelly came out for that second inning, I saw every Dodgers fan in my timeline like, all right, this game is over, the season's is over, we're all done. Just not also, I'm surprised Dave Roberts has survived it. I know they've won not a ton locally. of games. Yeah, well, yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Apart here, but he has the he's kind of the, he's the box. He's the front office's guy. You know, he's kind of he does what they say. And in the past, it was an analytics move, and this year it was he didn't do the gut move. And it's just it seems like no matter the decision in in the biggest stage, it's always the wrong one for the guy. So it just seems like eventually the coach would have to become the scapegoat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if they're, I mean, I know you win 106 games, but if you don't win the ones that matter at this time of year, those 106 yeah. really don't mean and much at had, all. That's the thing. They've kind of adopted this. We're going to get into the playoffs by winning the division and winning the division every year. And I mean, that's all cool and all. You know, you get 
or you know NL West division banners, but none of them say World Series. So yeah, exactly. And I don't know how many bites at the apple yeah. you're seven you're in a row. Get. Seven in a row. I trade all seven of them for one World Series. That's for sure. I I don't think any Dodger fan would disagree with that. By the way, let's get this in. Welcome back. We are here in the Fox Sports Radio studios. We're brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. So, so much football going on. Yeah, Zion Williamson is just tearing it up right now in preseason. We're about to finally kick off the NBA season. There's what's going on in China that, quite frankly, I just don't feel like getting into. And so we're not going to get into that, but we will talk about what Zion is doing at center, including hitting jump shots. And if that's going to happen, look the hell out if you play in the NBA, because this is going to be special to watch. We will touch on that when we come back. Remember my thoughts and my questions. What is the thing that stood out the most to you on Saturday? What opened your eyes the most in college football on Saturday? And who needs the win the biggest on Sunday in the NFL? You can make that case to me on Twitter at jmartzone, or you can call us at 877-99 on Fox, and we'll bring you into the conversation that way. And that conversation continues next here on Fox Sports Radio. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Not for you. There Here's you something go. that is for you. Discover. Discover matching all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year automatically with no limit. Millions of people a year getting their cash back matched. It's Discover Cash Back Match. What are you waiting for? You can learn more right here. Discover.com slash cash back match. We're finishing up hour one of the Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. I am Jay Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can find me there. Zion Williamson. 29 points on Wednesday against the Bulls. Preseason, yes. But 29 points on 12 of 13 from the floor. Had four assists and four rebounds. Remember, 12 of 13. 29 points. Pretty impressive. He did not play the fourth quarter. He did that in 27 minutes. And his speed looked absurd. It looked way more demonstrative and easy and clear to see than... Many of us anticipated on the NBA level. Now it's preseason and it's the Bulls, but there are going to be bad teams that Zion Williamson plays against as a rookie. And I already told you, if you have the option, even if you don't want to get the full NBA league pass this year, which I would say maybe you should anyway, because there's a a lot of teams that are going to be in the mix. You should at least get that deal where you can watch all of five teams and you can pick the five teams, which is another option. And make sure the Pelicans are one of them. Not just because of Zion, but certainly Zion makes a big difference. But you think about the guys getting him the basketball down there. And that team being young and fun to watch. And yeah, you're probably going to want to watch a lot of Zion. Even though a lot of his games are going to be on TV. And his highlights are going to annoy you to death. 
if you don't like good things as it relates to ESPN or FS1 or anywhere else. It's going to be everywhere. I mean, they the Bulls tried to load up four different guys against him, and he blew past all of them to the to the deal. In college, he scored 75% of the time that he took shots basically inside of, what, 15 feet or so. Even though he's not taking threes, he's they're having to collapse on him and respect what he can do because of his efficiency inside the arc, and it creates opportunities for him to kick it out and get dudes wide open threes, including Frank Jackson, who hit a three, because there were so many people coming after him, loading up to try and stop him, that Frank Jackson was just standing there eating a sandwich, waiting for a basketball to drain a three. This is going to be really interesting. You know my take if you've listened to this show since it's outset back in March. I believe John Moran is more built for what the NBA is today. And I think he has the potential to have the better career between the two. I also said I think both of them are Hall of Fame level players. Don't mistake what I'm saying as some kind of slight towards Zion Williamson. But what I'm seeing so far in the preseason, because of his size, it didn't blow your mind. But this is not a physical game anymore in the NBA the way that it was 20 and 30 years ago. The guys that would have been banging him around and clotheslining him can't do that anymore. It is a much more dainty brand of basketball than it used to be. So Zion's physicality is kind of unique, and I don't know exactly who is going to bully him around. But when you watch some of these clips from what he did on Wednesday, it's going to be interesting to see what changes and how they react to his tendencies and how they figure out what he's doing, watching film, and what these teams do to try and stop him. But he is must-see entertainment Maybe the most must-see. I think it might be Zion Williamson and what he does in his rookie season and Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are the two things that when they are playing, you should probably be paying attention. And the third on that list, in college football, it might be Joe Burrow and LSU. He's the Heisman front-runner. We'll talk more college football coming back. It's hour number two. Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of our audience here. The crew out in L.A., Chris, Eric, and Brian, the trifecta, they're spinning the dials radio style for me. Hat tip to Doc Thompson for that one. Our telephone number is 877-99 on Fox. That's 996-6369. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. We're brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Talked a good bit of college football in that first hour. This is a great time of year. It's been ridiculously hot in my part of the country. Pretty much. I mean, it was still in the low 80s midweek. Even, I think, Thursday here in Nashville was 83 degrees. I was driving in here this morning. And I believe it said 44, and I'm told when I walk out of here, it's going to be 37 degrees. And then by 3 o'clock, it's going to be 70. So that's going to play havoc with me. I will probably be the next one to get a cold, but I'm glad that I can put on a coat. I'm a big fan of coat weather, hoodie weather, things of that nature. I don't need it to be like ball frozen to my leg cold, but I enjoy a bit of a chill. Like, I drink hot coffee in 100-degree weather because I'm sick like that. 
and it's my favorite thing in the world other than my wife and my lord but when you have a cold day and you can drink hot coffee that's a beautiful thing but i told you off the top of this show i thought lsu was the number one team in the country right now because of the quality of their wins and their undefeated and what they did to florida and that defense and the fact that joe burrow is on a list all his own in terms of the way in which he played against Florida secondary. No one else this decade has done that to the Florida defense, what Burrow did last night. But I want to do my top 10 here and go in reverse order the way that you usually would, David Letterman style, and tell you where I am and who I have ranked in my top 10. Now, this is flat out based on the same criteria that the AP or the coaches or anything like that would look at. I don't necessarily look at this and say this is the way it would go going for the college football playoff. And there's some of these guys that are going to knock each other out before we actually get to the nitty-gritty of it all and have to pull four teams from this group. But I looked at it, and I have one undefeated team lower ranked than a one-loss team. But outside of that, if you're not undefeated, you're not in my top six. But the start of this, I'll start at number 10. And I've got the Auburn Tigers there. And the main reason I have Auburn there and not, for example, Texas is because I was more impressed with how they continued to fight last week when it was clear that they weren't going to be able to handle Florida's defense and they had not seen anything like it. They're 5-1. and one. I think you could have gone with Texas here, but I'm pretty worried about their defense against the top flight opponents and I think that as good as Sam Ellinger is that's still a team that could end up with three losses before the end of the season so I've got them just outside they entered the week 11 and they almost got into my top 10 even losing to Oklahoma but I think I've still got them at 11 so that's my honorable mention and Auburn is number 10 number nine is Florida the team that beat Auburn last week and still gave it all they could and even though burrow had the kind of day that he did and even though lsu rushed the ball the way that they did florida was still in that thing until the fourth quarter and they had a guy out there in kyle trask who's barely even out of the gates as a starting quarterback and he was making plays this was a great football game in prime time last night lsu's the better team but losing to what i believe is the best team in the country not in blowout fashion that to me keeps you in the top 10 they drop from seven to nine if you want to look at where they were compared to where they are and then number eight i've got penn state and penn state is undefeated and they beat iowa on saturday 17 to 12 in iowa it's not easy to play in Ames. usually it gets ugly there just in terms of low scoring and weird things happening it's a great atmosphere and iowa had a chance with a two-point conversion to try and get this thing a little bit closer Penn State did not look great in the game, but they are undefeated. And because of the way the schedule looks, they have an opportunity certainly to win the Big Ten, which is something that James Franklin, it's eluded him, and he wants to to be able to pull that off properly and find his way into the college football playoff. I don't think he will, and he is not certainly the highest-ranked Big Ten team in my list. Number seven is a one-loss Notre Dame team that had – all they wanted from Clay Helton's USC team. They they were up 20-6 to six in that game, and it looked like, okay, Ian Book and crew, they're going to take this thing, and they're going to take it easily. Credit USC for fighting back into that game. 
credit Slovis and everything that they were doing defensively to try and keep the lead from getting any worse than it was, that became a football game in the end. But Notre Dame's one loss is to Georgia when we all thought Georgia was good and when they thought they were good. And it was a close game then. So you can make an argument that you can make other arguments and you can knock Notre Dame down because they have that loss. But I feel better about them right now than I do Penn State because I was more impressed with Notre Dame against SC than I was Penn State against Iowa. Even if you think Iowa's the better team, which I look, they're a top 20 team. So I do. I still thought Notre Dame is the team that I look at and say they're a little better right now than Penn State to me. Number six in the Big Ten is Wisconsin. Led by Jonathan Taylor who since November 1st of last year has 1,844 rushing yards, 26 total touchdowns, and has not lost a fumble. And Wisconsin just walked through the state of Michigan, just crushing the opponent today. We already know what they've done to Michigan and Michigan State. Just amazing. And they're always sort of in the mix and they'll sometimes have like a down year, but then they're right back. And so here they are at 6-0, and and they're number six in my list. Number five is the defending national champion, Clemson Tigers. They're 6-0. and What more can they do than beat the teams on their schedule? Well, they can beat them worse. Because even though I could easily see Clemson winning the national title this year, and I do think Trevor Lawrence is the most talented quarterback in the country, regardless of everything else that we are seeing right now, and he's the one that has the best pro career sitting in front of him by far, Clemson just hadn't been that impressive yet. They're going to get into the college football playoff unless they actually lose a game, which is unthinkable if you look at the rest of their schedule. And really their whole schedule all year long. But they've been in some nail-biters. North Carolina probably should have beaten them a couple of weeks ago. Then we'd be having a much different argument here. But even though they're, def- they're the defending champions and have not lost a football game, they're five for me right now. I guess I'm basing this some on the eye test as well. Number four, I've got Ohio State. They did not play on Saturday. Justin Fields has been incredible. That offense looks good. That defense looks outstanding. They might be the best team in the country. It's possible. You could certainly sell me on that argument. I've got them at four because I think the top four is just outstanding across the board. And I don't think Ohio State has been tested just enough. And so I want to see them against better competition before I'm willing to completely buy in. But what Ryan Day is doing and what Justin Fields is doing, you can't ask for more than that. So maybe you're going to look at me if you're an Ohio State fan and say, how dare you put us at four? I understand. I feel your pain. I get it. Believe me. I've got them at four. Number three, I've got Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts, more human outside of that behind-the-back Harlem Globetrotters act that he pulled to avoid the sack on Saturday against Texas. But the defense is legit. That's something we did not necessarily expect coming into the season. New coordinator getting the job done. And if they've got a defense, then they've got a chance against anybody because we know they can score, and we know Lincoln Riley is the best offensive mind in college football, bar none. What he's done, and you can look at Mayfield, and you can look at Kyler Murray, and we will be able to assess this even better in five or six years when we look at both of those two guys' pro careers. And maybe, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to play much quarterback in the NFL, but who knows. But you're looking at... A coach in college that has three straight different guys 
with looks at the Heisman, two of them that have won it, and a third that has a shot to win it. And the common denominator between those three guys is one guy, and it's Lincoln Riley. But I've got his football team at three, even though they're undefeated, in a good performance as a team. And CeeDee Lamb, of course, is a beast. Number two, I've got Alabama. They just haven't faced anybody that difficult yet. A&M, did anybody really expect that they were going to give them a game? They, they played with them for about a half. Tua has been, Tua might be number two right now on the Heisman list. Maybe he's number three on yours. We know who number one is, I think. At least, if you don't agree with me on that, you could you would have to sell me on somebody else right now. But Tua has four wide receivers that all potentially are first-round draft picks and top-ten-level receivers in the NFL. When you look at Ruggs, Waddle, and Judy in particular, it's just, it's unbelievable. Outrageous, the level of talent he has around him. Their defense is not the Bama defense that we are accustomed to seeing. So that's why I'll knock them down just a bit. Because it's not that they're necessarily mortal, but you can beat that secondary down the field. They don't have like that dominant linebacker feel that we've seen. And they don't get after the quarterback quite as much. It's not because the skills are fading. They dealt with some injuries. And the, the talent's just not quite to the degree that it... Because it's been so otherworldly for so long. I'm trying to be careful how I say this because it's not really a slight because anybody would take this defense. It's just not the Alabama defense you're used to seeing. And that leaves them a little bit more vulnerable. But they're undefeated. And they'll get a chance to beat the number one team on my list, which is LSU. Joe Burrow and Joe Brady, who comes over from the Saints, the passing coordinator for the Saints, leaves Drew Brees, comes to Joe Burrow, and all of a sudden Joe Burrow doing an awfully good Drew Brees impression. They're throwing the ball downfield. They're taking shots. They're running when they have to, and when they do, they're successful. The offensive line is blocking effectively, But we usually don't have a world in which LSU has a great quarterback. They win in spite of him, and they try to tell you on television, this is the year. Jordan Jefferson's going to get it done this year. And when he does, they're going to beat Alabama, and they're going to this, and they're going to that. And then it turns out they either win running the football, or they win because of their defense. They are winning because of their offense, and in spite, in some cases, of their defense. If they lose, it's going to be because the defense lets them down, which is kind of shocking based on what you expect from LSU. But this offense is prolific, to say the least, with the exception of Lincoln Riley. We have not seen anything that looks this lethal to any opponent in quite some time. Clemson's got unbelievable athletes all across the field. Their receivers are incredible. And so you don't want to take anything away from them. But LSU... You can make an argument for Ohio State. You can make an argument for Oklahoma. You can make an argument for Alabama. You can make an argument for Clemson. I don't think you can make that argument for Wisconsin being the number one team in the country. But there's no doubt that two wins that are very impressive for LSU, I think, puts them at the top of this list. As good as we have seen all of those teams play at times, you just have to look at LSU and suggest 
that is a team that is firing in a way that should frighten anybody that has to play against them because I don't know how you're going to stop that offense. I don't know what it is that you are supposed to do to them. Look at what they've done. They played Georgia Southern, okay, 55-3. to That's the first game of the season. They go to Texas. They play at Texas, and they win that game 45-38, but they put up 45. They have not had a game this year in which they have scored less than 40 points. Northwestern State, they put up 65. Vanderbilt, who... Vanderbilt might be the most embarrassing team in all of college football. They lost to UNLV, and I'm not talking about Anderson Hunt and Stacy Ogman and Larry Johnson. Grandmama was not on the field. This was a one-win UNLV team, just dreadful. Gave up 55 to Wyoming, and they drubbed Vanderbilt at home. Derek Mason, head coach at Vanderbilt, I tweeted should have been relieved of his duties for his own sake as he was leaving the field. He is not a head coach, not at that level, and not at a school that has the difficulties that they do. But that is an inexcusable loss. But they lost 66-38 to to LSU. Yeah, 38 is a lot of points for LSU to give up to Vanderbilt. But they do have Keyshawn Vaughn, who's a great running back. Utah State, 42-6. to And then 42-28. So they go to Texas and win, and then they beat Florida at home under the lights. A number seven rank. That's two top ten wins. And everybody was watching that game last night. So that's why I've got them at number one. They're going to have more tests. They've got Auburn coming up in a couple of weeks. Then they've got the matchup with Bama on November the 9th, which no doubt will be a primetime game on CBS. And it'll be in Tuscaloosa. So it's going to be loud, and it's going to be loud in the wrong direction for Burrow, and that's going to be where we're going to find out if LSU is ready to take that step or if they're on the doorstep, but they're still going to have that door slammed in their face. That is the one that you point to. I don't know what it is that you have scheduled in your life on November the 9th. Cancel it. Plan to stay home and watch that football game because unlike the LSU-Bama games that were 9-6, to this thing might be one forty nine to forty two. It is going to be as good an offensive showcase from two football teams as you're likely to see in an outstanding environment where the winner could easily be your national champion. And those are my top two teams in the country right now. Bama at two, LSU at one. So recapping quickly before we get to break. Auburn ten, Florida nine, Penn State eight, Notre Dame seven. Wisconsin 6. And the top 5 defending champion Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama, and LSU rounding out. That is my top 10 rankings. We will do that every single week on this show during the college football season to open our number 2. Tell me where you disagree. Tweet me at jmartzone. Let me know or call us at 877-99 on Fox. The question that I've said I'll take your answers to in any capacity or in any format throughout the show Who opened your eyes the most on Saturday and who needs a win the most in the NFL on Sunday? I've got my answer to that second question when we come back. A team that might actually miss the playoffs if they lose on Sunday. And it's not a team that I expected to be having this conversation about at this stage of the season. That is what we call a tease. And we'll be right back right here. Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? 
Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Seven, Mary, three. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. Geico is not cumbersome. Neither is Discover. They match all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year automatically. That's brand new, and it's amazing. And there's no limit to how much they'll match. Millions of people a year getting that cash back match. It's Discover Cash Back Match. I have no idea what you're waiting for. Learn more at the website, discover.com slash cash back match. The two questions that I've asked, who opened your eyes the most on Saturdays in college football, and who has the most to prove on Sunday? Who needs a win the most? And first, one correction. Had somebody tweet me during the break. I said Ames for Iowa. Ames is Iowa State. It's Iowa City for Iowa. My bad on that one. The team that I look at and say, man, do they ever need a win or they have a chance to miss the playoffs. Even though I think this is unthinkable that they would miss, it's the Rams. What a big game they have against the 49ers, the undefeated 49ers. And they're not going to have Todd Gurley, who they have ruled out in that game. Had a thigh contusion that came about in that loss to the Seahawks in Week 5 on Thursday night. And so Malcolm Brown's going to be in the game. And Daryl Henderson out of Memphis is going to be in the game as well. I believe that they might have... John Kelly, who played at Tennessee, who was a great college player, has been moved from the practice squad to the active roster. But you've got to keep Tlaib, who's not playing. Clay Matthews broke his jaw, so he's out for a month. And then there's the guys that are on the field that aren't doing what you would expect. Aaron Donald has not had a sack in his last two games. Marcus Peters has been flat out bad. Mentally, just getting beaten and making bad decisions in the secondary for the Rams. But the problem for the Rams is they're third in their own division behind an undefeated 49ers team. And they have, that's why I'm talking about how big this game is, how badly they need this win in particular. And they've already lost to the Seahawks once. And these have been close games. If you remember before the season, we laid out how great they were in one-score games last year and how things seemed to fall their way. They didn't deal with a terrible bout of injuries. Cooper Cup was a big loss, but generally they were a healthy football team. And they had a lot of breaks go their way on the field late in games when they had to have it. This year it's kind of gone the opposite way. With the Seahawks beating them late and with... The mistake against the Bucks. There are two losses in the way. Look, they start 3-0, and and then they lose the last two. The Tampa Bay one's the one where people just said, okay, well, maybe that's a fluke. And then the Seahawks, because Russell Wilson is such a winner, was enough to have people start questioning Jared Goff, even though that was his best performance maybe of the whole season. 
and he looked good in that game when you gave him time to throw. There are analytics out there that say that the 49ers this year, based on what you're seeing from them on the field, are one of the top 10 NFL teams of all time. To me, that's insanity. And you can't say that at this point in the season. But them being undefeated in the way in which they've done it, Kyle Shanahan has been masterful in what he's done. And Garoppolo has done what he needed to do. The defense has played well. George Kittle, who was hurt, I think I just saw Ian Rappaport say he's going to play today in this game. But the Rams have to find a way to win this game. And usually when you lose in the Super Bowl, there's a bit of a hangover, and a lot of those teams don't ever make it back, and things like this. But the 49ers are number one right now in DVOA, which is the stat that matters all the way across. Defense adjusted value over average. They have had a very easy schedule. And the Rams are 17th right now in the same ranking. We're only barely past the quarter bowl of the season. I guess we're more we're closer to a third of the season, and then when we get through six games, we will be past that point. This is basically a pick'em game as it's a three-point spread right now. I'm not a gambling guy. I don't talk gambling. Straight out of Vegas handles that, and a lot of other shows here on Fox talk about it. It's just not really my bag. But there are a couple of games on this slate today. Not across the board. There's some dogs. There's some that probably don't have your interest. But there are a few that are almost must-see. Rams-Niners is must-see because the Rams need to win because if they fall to 3-3, three and three, especially with two of those losses already coming in division, then they're really going to have to be hot down the stretch or it's going to be a struggle for them to actually make the postseason. I'm not going to predict that if they lose this game, they're going to miss the postseason. I'm saying they need to win this game, though. They go from here to Atlanta. Atlanta increasingly looks like a bad football team. I think I got that one wrong. Then they play Cincinnati. They are a bad football team. Then they go to Pittsburgh, where who knows who's even going to be the quarterback at that point on November the 10th after a bye. So that's probably three wins in a row for the Rams, you would think. Of course, if you lose to Tampa Bay, with all due respect, you can probably find a way to lose to most teams. Even though their defense is playing great, Shaq Barrett's playing out of his gourd, and Jameis is playing pretty well for Bruce Arians. But you think you win at Atlanta, then you beat Cincinnati, and you beat the Steelers, and then all of a sudden you're a 6-3 and three team. But you just still have those two losses in division. Then you play against Chicago. We'll see. We know what that defense is capable of doing. We also know what that offense might not be capable of doing. Baltimore. Those are two tough ball games against teams some would say are both going to be in the playoffs. I have said I think the Bears will miss. Then you go to Arizona, division game you should win. Then you get the rematch with the Seahawks. Then you go to Dallas, to San Francisco, and then you finish up against Arizona. Three of your last four, Seattle, at Dallas, at San Francisco. They'll be in the mix at that point where they're going to have to win in order to keep pace. The Niners might be a mirage. Maybe they're about to come down to earth. But if they don't, and the Seahawks could be a mirage as well, but you can't fall too far behind, and you can't continue to lose division games, and you have to just change the momentum. 
And with Gurley not playing in this game, yeesh. So George Kittle, here's here's the update on Kittle. Groin injury left him questionable. He's expected to play. They're not sure if how much he's going to be able to play or whether or not he can finish the game. 49ers go from at Rams, okay? Let's let's even say they lose the game and they go to four and one. Then they go at Washington, win. Versus Carolina, probably a win. At Arizona, win. Versus Seahawks, that'll be a good ball game. Then they get the Cardinals again. They get two or three weeks in a row they play Arizona. They probably win those games. Then it gets tougher for them. Versus Green Bay, okay. At Baltimore, at New Orleans. By that point, maybe Breeze is back. Versus Atlanta, eh. Then they play the Rams and the Seahawks to end the season. So there. by the time we get to the end of this year, we're going to know how good they are because that schedule is not easy. And it's backloaded to say the least because the teams that they've won so far, they beat Tampa Bay in week one on the road. They beat the Bengals in week two on the road. They beat Pittsburgh, which is not an impressive win at this point, and they did it 24-20, to and then they destroyed Cleveland on Monday night. That was a dismantling from start to finish and it continues to back up what i've thought about cleveland since the outset which is pump the brakes just a little bit slow down the hype train they haven't proven anything yet and what we saw from baker mayfield i saw some people tweeting yeah baker needs to get back to playing like the franchise quarterback he was last year the franchise quarterback he was last year or the pretty good rookie quarterback that he was last year He looked like he was on the verge of maybe being that guy. But you don't want to christen him too early. What he did last year, if that's his ceiling, that's got to average for a number one overall pick at quarterback. You hope that's not his ceiling if you're a Cleveland fan, would be my thought. And today you're playing against Seattle. That's a defense that's not great, but it's Russell Wilson. At least you get him at home. But that's tough going back-to-back against the Niners and Seattle. But the answer to my question, who needs to win the most today? It's the Rams. Them falling to 3-3 three and three with back-to-back division losses and a loss to Tampa Bay. I don't know what it means for the mindset of Jared Goff, but it would just mean that the bloom is off the rose as it relates to the Rams being some kind of dominant force that's far and beyond past all these other people. You got teams that made hires based on the head coach of the Rams and the coaches that they have now knew him or worked with him for five seconds or had his number in their cell phone. And you have to wonder what they are thinking as we're seeing other teams sort of be more consistent right now. I'm not saying Sean McVay's not great. He is. And there have been some things that have gone wrong. So line makes a kick, we might be having a different argument right now. End of the game didn't go well against Tampa Bay. But the Rams need to win today more than anybody in the NFL. And it's going to be, it should be a whale of a football game with the Niners. If the Niners blow them out, that's going to be a pretty big statement win coming off what we saw on Monday against the Browns. Let's go out to L.A. He's got statements. He's Brian Finley. Let's find out the latest in the world of sports. B. Thank you so much, Jason. A bevy of college football games from Saturday kicking off in primetime. Fifth-ranked LSU making a case as the top team in the nation after stifling seventh-ranked Florida 42-28. 
Tigers quarterback Joe Burrow slung for nearly 300 yards along with three scores. Meanwhile, ninth-ranked Notre Dame encountered Nemesis USC. There's the snap, there's the knee, and Notre Dame will move to 5-1. and one. The 91st meeting between USC and Notre Dame goes the way of the Irish. Victory, Notre Dame. Paul Burmeister via Learfield IMG College on the call as the Irish win at 30-27, while 10th-ranked Penn State outfoxes number 17 Iowa 17-12. Nittany Lions running back Noah Kane bolted for a score in the fourth quarter. 14th-ranked Boise State throttles Hawaii 59-37. Broncos freshman quarterback Hank Bachmeyer left the game in the second quarter with an apparent injury. Hey, online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And in the NFL, Chargers have greenlit Hunter Henry for today's contest against the Steelers, despite a knee issue, that according to ESPN. And the Cardinals, their running back David Johnson is going to play through a back injury today against the Falcons. Back to Jason Martin in the Geico Fox Sports Studios. Thanks, Brian. Welcome back to those Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. I kind of want to talk about horns down because of how ridiculous it is. It's mocking the hook'em horns gesture. And Texas balked at it and said it's unsportsmanlike. And the Big 12 said it's going to be penalized like other celebrations. They said that before the season. Lincoln Riley tells the Sooners before the game against Texas today, don't do the horns down during the game. And as soon as the thing was over, they were free to do it. I want to see Texas lose every single game they play simply because of their reaction to horns down. I don't know how you can take a taunt so personally. When you create hook'em horns, when you create a taunt, you should expect to have it mocked by your rivals. Just like you probably had an unflattering nickname when you were growing up. Or if your name happened to rhyme with something unfortunate, then that's probably something you had to live with as a kid. The idea that that is unsportsmanlike to the idea of ejections or penalties or anything to that degree is preposterous. You can better believe if your high school had some kind of a taunt or a chant, when you get beat... Someone's going to turn that chant into a mockery. That's just part of it, man. The insults that you share, the your mama jokes maybe that you used to tell with your friends, maybe that's showing my age. That might not be a thing anymore. It was definitely a thing when I was growing up. My best friends are probably the ones that I dug at the most and got dug at the most. That was just sort of part of it. Now, I'm not saying this is all in good fun between people that play against Texas and the Longhorns, but who cares? They're just turning your taunt upside down. This is not the middle finger, but even if it was, in your eyes, it's not an obscene gesture. 
And I've seen media types and fans that are just like, I know it shouldn't mean anything, but I'm ready to come over the table on people and all this stuff when I see them do it. Relax, man. Then don't have the taunt. Say we're not doing hook'em horns anymore. Because the idea that you would think that officials should step in when horns down is done, it's ridiculous. And I loved that as soon as Oklahoma won the game yesterday, 34-27, to Lincoln Riley's ban was lifted and Oklahoma was free. Their players were free to do horns down as much as they wanted. And I'm sure fans were doing it all the way through the game. And if you remember at the very beginning of the game, there was a scuffle, which is not completely surprising. But when you beat them, you should be able to do horns down. And even during the game, you should be able to do horns down because we're adults, right? Everybody in that game was over 18 years of age. But even 15-year-olds should be able to do horns down if they're on the field. This is childish by Texas. When I first read this story months back, I rolled my eyes. It continues to get worse that they keep whining about this. Grow up or lose every game. If I had my way, you would lose every game until you grew the heck up as it related to this. It is a taunt. Stop taunting it. Stop throwing that sign. It's disrespectful to the state of Texas to take the horns hand gesture and flip it upside down what world are we living in when that is disrespectful not a good one i'm glad oklahoma beat texas we'll be right back this is the jason martin show on fox sports radio do you love selena like really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to Stan, the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Baruka Salt. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. I got something amazing for you. It's Discover. They match all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year automatically, and there's no limit to how much they're going to match for you. Millions of people a year getting that cash back match. It's Discover Cash Back Match. You can learn all you need to at the website. It's discover.com slash cash back match. Finishing up hour number two or three here on the Jason Martin Show on this Sunday morning. Get towards the middle of October. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. I'm still glad Texas lost because of the horns down nonsense. I don't know if you know the term shade, but I'm going to give you a quote from a former, well, a former teammate of this individual, but a linebacker in the NFL who actually played part of his career right here in Nashville for the Tennessee Titans. But played elsewhere and now is with the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you were to look up shade in a dictionary, you might just see this guy after this. This is what he said. Cousins. I think every defense is going to want that guy to throw the ball. For me, that's probably the weakest part of their offense is him. Everything else is good. They got a good running game. Probably one of the best in the league. 
They have real good receivers. You just want them to pass the ball. You want Kirk Cousins to get it in his hands. This is current Philadelphia Eagles linebacker Zach Brown to ESPN.com's Tim McManus about Kirk Cousins. And you're just like, okay, well, he's watching this from afar. Well, no. Zach Brown also used to play for the Redskins and watch Kirk Cousins and basically suggested this is not surprising what we're not seeing from Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Can you imagine paying Kirk Cousins what you paid him and then listening to other people in the league say, we want you to throw the ball despite the fact you have, without question, two of the best wide receivers in the game on that offense. We still want him throwing the football more than we want Dalvin Cook running it. We'll take our chances with your, quote, franchise quarterback, unquote. Last week on this show, I laid out those stats about how he is in primetime games, how he is against teams that are 500 or better, how he is at any time at night, certainly, or in any kind of a game that matters, and how he's just flat out not good. But to hear that from a former teammate, and it's not like, People have negative things to say about Kirk Cousins, the guy. It's not like he rubs people the wrong way. This is purely saying he's not that good. Brown saying, look, main concern is going to be stopping the run. If they can run the ball, they're going to win. But Cousins, just like Brown, is a one-time former Pro Bowler. These are two teams that are playing, and we're going to get into the entire Sunday slate of games, the entire week six slate of games in the third hour of this show. We'll predict every single one of them. It's two three and two teams, the Eagles and Vikings. The Eagles might be the best three-win team right now, most most dangerous, certainly. I like the way they're playing football. The Vikings need this one pretty badly. It wasn't surprising that they got the win last week. But when you got Diggs and Thielen, and you've got defenders saying, yeah, we want them to throw the ball, because they don't have any respect for him, and they say that the weakest part of the Minnesota offense is the quarterback that they paid a truckload for and backed up a Brinks truck for a season ago. That stings if you're a Vikings fan, I would imagine. And it also probably just has you nodding, yeah. Unfortunately, we've seen enough too. We know what this is. This is why the Redskins fans weren't that upset when he left. It's not that he's a bad guy, but it might be that he is a mediocre quarterback when it comes to games that matter. Again, the quote. When you look up Shade, you're going to see Cousins. I think every defense is going to want that guy to throw the ball. For me, that's probably the weakest part of their offense is him. Everything else is good. They've got a good running game, probably one of the best in the league. They have real good receivers. You just want them to pass the ball. Yikes. Also yikes, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown wants his issues resolved, according to ESPN. He wants to play football again. Will wonders never cease? It's like the game was taken from him and he didn't ruin it. We'll talk next. Third hour of the program. Final hour this week. Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. 
I'm Jay Mart. I'm on Twitter at JMartZone. We're coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios, brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes. That's all it would take to save you 15% or more on your car insurance, so you might as well do it. Visit Geico.com. Get yourself a free rate quote. We'll break down the entire NFL schedule coming up. But I want to talk about Antonio Brown for a second. Antonio Brown, according to reports from NFL.com, from ESPN and others, Antonio Brown desperately wants to resolve his off-field issues so he can get back into the NFL. Now, some of these issues that he's referring to, or these in particular, is the lawsuit from his former trainer about the sexual assault allegations, the accusations of sexual misconduct at his home by an artist a couple of years ago as well. The NFL to this point has not actually sat down and interviewed Antonio Brown about this. They will, even if he is a free agent. He's not on the commissioner's exempt list. But that could change, and no teams have taken a chance on him at this point. We had heard a couple of days ago, he would love to be a Patriot again. He misses playing for the Patriots. He really wants them to contact him. He's played in one game. He played against Miami. And he caught a touchdown in that game, and that's it. He's also filed, not one, not two, but eight grievances against the Raiders and Patriots, trying to recover $39.7 million in lost salary, lost bonuses, and lost guaranteed money. Remember back on September 22nd, he said he won't be playing in the NFL. Pretty much, again, again, not anymore. And then Drew Rosenhaus, a couple days later, came out and said, yeah, he still kind of wants to keep playing. And he doesn't want to be in the XFL. I'm on record as saying Vince McMahon should announce that Antonio Brown's going to have a live microphone on Friday night on Fox. I thought this should have been the start of Raw or start of SmackDown on Fox. Just say, yep, he's got a live microphone to say whatever it is that he wants. There's, you know, seven-second delay or whatever if he says some things that are inappropriate. But the whole world would have tuned in to listen to that. Maybe for the car wreck factor or maybe because... I mean, we're drawn to this. There would have been a rubberneck syndrome, to be sure, here. But I love that Antonio Brown just says he wants to play football again. I'm not rooting against Antonio Brown. But it drives me insane that he just wants to play ball again. How many opportunities? How hard was it? For the game to be taken away from Antonio Brown. Think about this for a second. How great he was. His stats on the front of Madden. Didn't win a Super Bowl. But did almost everything else you could possibly ask a wide receiver to do. Consistently the best receiver in the league for almost half a decade. And still probably is if he's on the field. Or right there. That guy found a way to make himself untenable for NFL franchises that exist to win in order for people to keep jobs. Think about all the bad teams in this league. None of them are calling AB at this point. 
his benefits were gigantic. So how big did his blemishes have to be to keep him out of the NFL? When he says, I just want to play ball again, the game was not taken from you, buddy. You nuked that thing. It's almost impossible at your skill level to have found a way to toxicify yourself to the extent that you can't get a job in the NFL. Or that the NFL is warning teams, yeah, he could be put on the commissioner's exempt list. But you found a way. Not just with the stuff, with these allegations, which may or may not be true. What we know is true is the nonsense that was pulled in Oakland in front of cameras on HBO. The nonsense that was pulled all over the place to get you out of Pittsburgh to begin with, to get you to Oakland. Then you wanted out of Oakland. You went to New England and then things surfaced and then you were booted off of that squad. Seriously stop and think about this. What he did has made it so people can't have them on or can't have him on their football team at current. At his skill level, his skill set, his ability, how hard he works in practice, how he runs routes, his hand. His speed. His ability. I mean, he did not... Well, we don't know. Maybe he did commit some serious crimes. We're unaware if those things are true right now. But this guy now saying he wants to play football, when he did everything in his power, seemingly, over the past handful of months to try and teach us the exact opposite, that he didn't want to play football. Oakland gave him chance after chance after chance. Gruden looked like a fool. Gruden looked like a moron. Mayock looked like a simpleton. He looked like a ninny. And they still were trying to back Antonio Brown because of how talented he was. And finally, they let him go and he puts out that video celebrating that he was freed. Remember he was freed? Then he signed with the Patriots, he played one game, and then he was done. I still have not seen Antonio Brown come out and say, man, I did some things that I really regret, and I'm sorry. Ever. I don't know if all he's surrounded by are yes men, but I tend to think that is the truth. I don't know. I would love to know the conversations he's had with Drew Rosenhaus. Rosenhaus's job is to represent his client to the best of his ability, to paint him in the best light no matter what, even if he doesn't believe some of the things that he's saying. But I wonder if he's actually told Antonio Brown what he really thinks of the damage Brown has done to his legacy and to his ability to make a living playing football in 2019. Or if he's just said, yeah, And just agreed with everything A.B. has said. If you recall, the only thing A.B. really wants is to be loved. And if you love him, then he's going to find a way to be around you. Whether that's at a high school, you saw Hard Knocks. He's signing autographs in Canada. He's on the sidelines with some of his teammates. 
He's reading fan mail in a hotel, talking about how everybody loves A.B. And he's misunderstood and all of these things. He needs people to feed his ego and tell him how great he is. And tell him what a wonderful person he is and how funny he is and everything else that goes along with that. When he faces any level of criticism or negativity or adversity, that doesn't generally go very well. But I just love this piece in numerous places, but reading it from ESPN right now. Sources said Brown hopes to have his playing status cleared up in the next few weeks before signing with an NFL team. He wants to resolve his off-field issues so he can get back onto the field soon. And as he's doing this, just a week ago, he filed eight grievances against New England and against Oakland to try and get all the money back that he burned up himself by his crap. All I want to do is see Antonio Brown play football because that is a joy because of how good he is. The reason I have a job to sit behind a microphone is because you guys care enough to sit around and watch people like Antonio Brown do what they do. And we can put up with an awful lot, probably more than we should in some instances, because at the end of the day, entertainers don't have to be role models and often shouldn't be. Sometimes they are idolized or lauded or put on pedestals that they shouldn't be, and they can't live up to that. The ones that are more human are more relatable for that very reason. The ones that hold themselves up to higher standards and then fall, those are the ones America is waiting to see fall, and then they will still help pick them back up when they try to get redemption. Antonio Brown could be one unbelievable, one-of-a-kind kind of redemption story. I would love to see this tale have a happy ending for him. But I find it hard to believe that that is the direction we're headed when he still just can't say, I'm sorry, I blew this, I I don't know what I was thinking. And I think that's because he's incapable of doing that. That does not mean, by the way, that he did what he is accused of. Don't jump to a conclusion that you have no idea what the truth is about. And if that stuff is revealed not to be the case, then some NFL team probably will take a chance on him, and it might be a terrible thing or it might be a great thing. I hope it's a great thing, even if it's a team that I despise, just because none of us are out here or they shouldn't be. I can understand if you're a Raiders fan and you aren't a big Antonio Brown fan at this point. I get that. Or if you're a Steelers fan and you feel the same way. You've been jaded by the guy. You've been screwed over by the guy. I get that. But life is too negative at times for us to sit around and root for people to fail, even if they're struggling. I've seen a lot of what this guy has done as an inadvertent, unconscious cry for help. It's like somebody needs to be real with him. And I don't know if that person exists. I'm not saying they don't, because maybe Rosenhaus has been real with him behind closed doors. Maybe his family has been real with him behind closed doors. But eventually, Antonio Brown needs to be real with everybody else around him. 
And at this stage, he needs to be real with the public because his legacy is in a garbage can somewhere that's inside of a dumpster that's on a barge headed for Nowheresville. And unless he wants the rest of his NFL career to not exist and the rest of his football career to exist within the confines of the XFL, he's eventually going to have to pull a mea culpa here. Is he willing to do that? He can say until he's blue in the face, I just, I miss football and I want to get back to football. If you miss it, if you want to be a Patriot again, if you want to get back on the field and you didn't do the things that you're accused of and you know that that's going to come back in your favor once the investigation is done, then you should be bending over backwards right now saying, I don't know what's come over me. I'll take some anger management classes or I'll go to a therapist or whatever it might be. Take ownership of your failings. Take ownership of the mistakes that you have made in the public sphere that have harmed how people view you inside the league in which you're trying to be employed. Or don't be surprised that even with your level of all-world talent, People are not willing to risk their futures on you because they've seen this act too far and they see a guy whose pride is in the way and that can't get out of his own way. When we come back, we will look at all of Sunday's games and Monday Night Football. I'll give you my thoughts on all of them. You can tweet me at jmartzone. You can call us at 877-99 on Fox. As we go through these games, we will go through them with the crew as well. We'll get you all set for week six in the NFL when we come back. It's the Jason Martin Show. Final hour of the program here on Fox Sports Radio. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hey, it's those body part surfers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. Google it, folks. Want to hear something amazing? Maybe it's Pepper, but it's definitely Discover. They match all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year automatically. There's no limit at all to how much they'll match. Millions of people a year getting a ton back, getting their cash back matched at Discover Cashback Match. All you need to do, hit up the website. You can learn all you need to know about it at discover.com slash cashbackmatch. Jason Martin here, Jason Martin Show. I'm at jmartzone. You can find me there. Somebody tweeted me and... A couple of people have asked me this this week. Actually, somebody from the big lead wanted me to do a podcast about El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie that hit Netflix on Friday, and I didn't respond to it, and I kind of overlooked it. Maybe I'll do it this week, but I haven't seen it. There was a death in my family um, that I did not find out about until a couple of hours after this show last week, and that put me behind on some things because we had to attend to that uh, a couple of days ago. So we will talk about El Camino on this show next week and i may write on it this week as well so stay tuned at jmart zone you can see all that i'll have to say about that 
as I actually have a chance to sit down and consume that product. Okay, let's take a look at the schedule in the NFL and pick these games. Everybody out in L.A. has a live microphone as well, so we will get their thoughts. Eric, you don't have to worry about your bills. They were here in Nashville a week ago in a game that Tennessee probably should have won but still found a way to lose, and I think the Bills are going to make the playoffs as a wild card, and I think that that game was a knockout game for the Titans because now they have to win the division because that's a tiebreaker that the Bills will have over them because we know the Bills are not going to win the East. Usually I'm excited about the Bills going into the bye week because they can't lose and make their record worse, but now I'm a little upset. I'm like, hey, maybe we would have got another win this week, but I'll take I'll take the, uh, the bye week and, you know... Um, gloriously walk into uh, uh, the next week 4-1. and one. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. So the Bills are off, the Bears are off, the Colts, who had a huge win over Kansas City last week, they're off, and the Raiders are off. Schedule begins 9.30 Eastern Time this morning in London, Carolina and Tampa Bay, an NFC South matchup, and a pretty decent one. Tampa, the offense has been a little bit more impressive than maybe we expected. The Bucks, I think, are two-and-a-half-point dogs right now, I believe it is, to the Panthers. This should be a pretty close game. We haven't seen Cam Newton in a while. Probably shouldn't have seen him at all this season because he got hurt in preseason. It was sort of thrown under the rug like it didn't matter, and it has come back to bite him. But Kyle Allen's done enough because McCaffrey's been awesome and the defense has been awesome. This seems like a game... Look, when you go to London, all bets are off because there's there's lag and there's just all sorts of distractions surrounding what happens there. I could see either team winning this. It's 3-2 and two Carolina, 2-3 two and three Tampa Bay. I'll say Carolina wins this game. Wouldn't be surprised to see it go the other way. How do you guys feel about this one? I feel like it's going to come down to whether or not what kind of what Jameis Winston we've got, and I feel like he's definitely, um, you know, he's it's a kind of a one eighty from the Jameis Winston we've seen in the in the season's most recent past. Um, so I think a lot of it will will depend on how what his play is and what Jameis Winston exactly we're going to get across the pond. I, I think cra- that's very true. Am I crazy for trusting in Kyle Allen at this point? I, I just I I feel just lightheaded thinking about it, but. I, I believe in this Panthers team at this point, and it's I, I don't know why, but I can at least trust them to probably acclimate over to London probably a little better than I can with the Buccaneers. I, I just don't know yeah. what I'm getting week to week with Jameis Winston. This just feels like a game where Christian where uh, Christian McCaffrey should have a huge day. Now, Tampa Bay's defense has improved vastly more than we thought they were going to be. Todd Bowles turned out to be a great hire, which I don't think that's a surprise that he turned out to be a great hire. But Bruce Arians knew what he was doing to bring him in out of that Jets debacle because we still know what a great defensive mind he is. So that makes it a little bit more intriguing. But this could be a Winston four-interception kind of game against this Carolina defense. Plus, Carolina already lost to them on that Thursday night football game that had the lightning delay and all of that. I expect the Panthers will get right here as well. Seattle at Cleveland. Seattle one-and-a-half-point favorite in this game Browns look terrible against the Niners Baker Mayfield has been bad most of this season but he's still talking Beckham is still talking how much do you trust Seattle is the question 
I trust Russell Wilson, so I will take Seattle on the road, even though they're not the same team on the road. Russell Wilson's just a winner. Baker Mayfield has been a winner at times. This is a game that they need, but I think there's going to be a hangover, and I still think they have a coach that is in over his head in Freddie Kitchens. So I just feel better about Seattle going to 5-1. and one. How do you guys feel about this one? Seattle's road record in recent years has been better than it's been in the past. I believe this year alone, though, they're like 2-1. and one. They've suffered one loss, the Steelers. Granted, one of those victories was a one-point scrape by in the against the Bengals in week yeah. one, but I've I've sold all my stock on the Browns. I I think they pulled probably I, I give them props. They pulled probably the greatest magic trick of the past decade in making us all believe that the Browns were legitimate during during the offseason. Yeah. But I, I'm off them completely now. There's nothing they can do that will really bring me back around. Yeah, talk about two teams that are coming off of like complete opposites. You know, you have the Seahawks with their huge win over the Rams, and then the the Browns got just destroyed by the 49ers. So there's really it's, it's one of those like let it ride in Vegas. There's really nothing to pull me off of the Seahawks bandwagon off of last week and make me have any kind of confidence in the Browns coming out last week either. Yeah, we agree there. This one's going to be awesome. Houston at Kansas City, Deshaun Watson at Patrick Mahomes. Two guys that probably should have gone one and two in that draft, even though at the time I don't think you can fault anybody for not taking Mahomes that high because you just didn't know enough. I thought Watson should have been the clear number one pick in that draft. If you recall, he was not, and Trubisky went number two, and Chicago moved up, I believe, in order to take him. But Watson and the Texans coming off scoring over 50 against the Falcons, an incredible performance there. Mahomes and KC off a mortal performance, even with Leonard at home for the Colts, watching the game with a beverage in his hand on the recliner because he's banged up. The Colts are uber impressive with what they're doing here. But this is at Kansas City, and I just can't imagine they're going to lose again. Tyreek Hill may or may not play. looks like he's trending towards playing today, but there's so many weapons. Kelsey was not a big factor last week. I expect that to change. Kansas City's defense is Kansas City's defense, so maybe you're not going to get to Deshaun Watson all that often. This could be a high, high scoring football game, but boy, should it be fun. Kansas City right now is a four point favorite. I think they will cover that and probably win by a touchdown, at least. I'm a little less confident in Kansas City right now. I, When they played the Lions, I thought that Matt Patricia unveiled basically the blueprint to slow down Kansas City like he did the year prior when he basically unveiled the blueprint that was later used by the Patriots in the Super Bowl to stop the L.A. Rams. And we saw that with the Colts. The Colts did exactly what they needed to. They ran the ball. They held on time of possession. And do I think that the Texans can do the same thing? Absolutely. Are they smart? Is Bill O'Brien smart enough to employ that same strategy? I don't know. I hope he was watching. I hope he was taking notes. I think right now Kansas City is vulnerable, and you're not going to get many more chances of that, and it's on them to kind of adapt. So I, I, I don't know. I'm a little crazy here, but I almost like Houston in this spot. Hmm. Man, that's a tough place to go in and play. It is, but the Colts just did it. If I, I think the Texans are a better team than the Colts. Uh, they, I think they have a better quarterback, and they have a better number one wide receiver, but I think the Colts are built top to bottom better than the Texans, especially their offensive line. Uh, Washington at Miami in the Tank Bowl. 
Miami doesn't want to win. One thing I did get right, I spent a lot of time last week on this show talking about Jake Rudin, and I said that would be the last game he coached with the Redskins. Indeed, that was the case. Bill Callahan takes over for a Gruden. Where have I heard that before? And Dwayne Haskins goes back to the bench. Case Keenum will start the game. Josh Rosen has been named the starter for the rest of the season in Miami. Poor guy. I don't even care. Like I I don't even know how you're supposed to couch this game. Washington's a three and a half point favorite because Miami actively wants to lose. So I guess Washington probably wins by default. But what a dog football game this is, guys. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not even sure if Dolphins players will be watching this game. So, yeah. it's, if this is the game you choose to watch on anything but Red Zone, do you have to like forfeit your right to watch the rest of the NFL for the entire season? Like, well, look, you just can't if you're a diehard make, fan, but you this is this is a terrible game. I, I, I you can't awful. pay me to watch this. No, me either. I mean, you'll only see when they're scoring plays on Red Zone. If you don't have Red Zone and you live in one of these markets, this is the day to pay for Red Zone, just so you don't have to watch this game and nothing else. Philly at Minnesota, a little bit of a better matchup here. Minnesota needs to win. It's two three and two teams, but there's still a lot of negativity flowing around that Vikings deal. The Eagles are a good football team. I don't think the defense has come around as much as possible. They still have an elite offensive line. Wentz is playing really well. I tend to think Philadelphia is the better team, but for some reason I think Minnesota wins this game. It's not in prime time. I don't think many people are expecting much of Cousins. You got that quote from Zach Brown. I think the Vikings actually win. It's going to be a pretty decent – it's a pretty much a pick em game. The Vikings are a three-point favorite, which means it's even, as according to Vegas. I think Minnesota actually will win this game in a really tight one and probably a good football game. I'm with you. This is a must-win for Minnesota, and they're at home, and they'll get fired up. So, yep. Yeah. New Orleans at Jacksonville. Jacksonville's defense against Bridgewater and company. Maybe Camara's not going to play. We aren't sure of that yet. That's a big deal. New Orleans isn't a team that travels all that well, but Bridgewater, we don't know how he travels. We haven't seen enough of that just yet. We know that Gardner Minshew's going to make plays because that's what he does. Jacksonville's defense can be flat-out nasty. This is a sneaky, intriguing game. Jacksonville is technically a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, I believe, against the Saints because it's a road game, which means that the Saints are actually, on the football power index, they're favored to actually win. I think the Saints probably win at Jacksonville, but if Kamara doesn't play, yeesh, that's asking a lot of Bridgewater in that passing offense because I don't know how they're going to be able to run against Jacksonville. I can see that one going either way. I just I look at Saints and Jags, and I find it hard to pick the Jags. Can I pick the Jags just because they're shipping in 35,000 uh, mustaches for their fans in Gardner oh, Mishimania? Yes. I, I, I think if there's one will, if there's one crowd that's going to will their team to victory, it's going to be 35,000 people in fake mustaches for Gardner Minshew. Yeah, it's going to be. so much. It's great. It's, it's really good, man. It's, it's boogie nights today. In Jacksonville. It ought to be fun. Cincinnati at Baltimore. I don't think this one's all that difficult. 11-point favorite, the Ravens. They probably actually can win this thing by two touchdowns or more. Cincinnati's just not very good. It's possible A.J. Green is not going to be there very much longer. Maybe he, he never even suits up again for that team. Maybe they finally trade him, move on. They've still got Andy Dalton at quarterback. 
the Ravens haven't maybe been the juggernaut over the past few weeks that some tried to christen them early on, but they're a far better team than the Bengals, and this one should be an easy win for Baltimore. Any disagreement? I'm just I'm just looking at the teams that we know are bad in the NFL right now. The Dolphins are historically bad. They're yes. a number one bad with a bullet. I'm just trying to figure out who's number two between the Skins and the Bengals because the Bengals are just they might not be the worst team in the NFL, but they might be the saddest team to watch. If that makes yeah, sense, yeah. They just I think there's more talent since in Washington. Watching them, man, they just don't want to play. They don't want to be out there. It just it's so bad. And they have a coach that I still don't know if he's real. Like, every time I hear his name, I'm like, that guy's a head coach? I've never even heard of him before. Then you got 49ers at Rams. Heavyweight fight. No Todd Gurley in this game. That's a big deal. But the Rams, if I'm looking at this right, are a three-point favorite, which means another pick game here. San Francisco being undefeated going into the Rams, and the Rams need to win. Kyle Shanahan versus Sean McVay. Two elite play callers. Goff versus Garoppolo. Two quarterbacks that you kind of like and then at times you kind of don't like. Kittle's health will be a big deal because they need him out there. San Francisco is averaging 200 yards rushing per game, which is the most that they've done since I think the late 50s, if I saw that stat correctly. But I think the Rams actually are going to beat them because I still don't think San Francisco is quite as good as the hype makes them out to be. So I think the Rams will win this game at home. But, but Jimmy Garoppolo threw all those interceptions, right, everybody? So, I mean, no, it's it's a very definitely yeah. a measuring stick for the NFC and the NFC West as a whole. I mean, you got the Rams, you know, Super Bowl last year, kind of stumbling out of the gate. And 49ers are the talk of the town, 4-0. So, I don't know who's going to come out. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, it's pretty much pick them. So, I guess you could probably lean Rams just because of home field advantage. Yeah, I think, that, I think that that might make the difference, actually. Atlanta at Arizona is pretty easy. Atlanta's not very good, but Arizona's really not very good. So I think the Falcons win this. Now, I you could see you could a scenario might exist. This should be one where Matt Ryan throws for about 17 touchdowns. Arizona's defense is not good and there's a plethora of weapons for the Falcons even with that defense just leaking oil all over the place. I think Atlanta should win this one pretty easily even though it's only a two and a half point spread right now. Not bad. Tennessee at Denver. It's my Denver Broncos, and it's the team here in the city that I cover. Titans lost to the Bills because that's what they do. They can beat great teams and lose to anybody, and they can certainly lose to decent teams. Denver got their first win last week. This is a tough place to play. Any altitude, it's going to be cold. I think it's been snowing over the last few days, unless that report that I saw was erroneous. But this is a game Tennessee usually finds a way to go win. But they also trend. When they lose a bad game, a lot of times they lose them in bunches. Remember they lost two in a row to Jacoby Brissett and Gardner Minshew? I think they're going to lose to Denver too. I think Denver will beat them and get their second win in a row. And Tennessee's playoff hopes are going to look more and more unlikely after this one. Just my thought. There's still three games to go. Let's go to Brian Finley one more time. We'll call those three games when we come back in the final segment. But let's go to B first. B, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Jason? On the college football front, fifth-ranked LSU building up a case as the top team in the land after pile-driving seventh-ranked Florida 42-28. Tigers quarterback Joe Burrow nearly 300 yards through the air along with three scorers. Earlier, ninth-ranked Notre Dame got together with nemesis USC. There's the snap. There's the knee. And Notre Dame will move to 5-1. and one. 
the 91st meeting between USC and Notre Dame goes the way of the Irish. Victory, Notre Dame. Paul Burmeister via Learfield IMG College on the call as the Irish win at 30-27. That is three losses for the Trojans. 10th-ranked Penn State emasculates number 17 Iowa, 17-12. Nitty Lions running back Noah Kane bolted in for a score in the fourth quarter. 14th-ranked Boise State strangles Hawaii, 59-37. Broncos phenom freshman quarterback Hank Bachmeyer came out in the first half with a hip injury. Hey, That's Coach, not a real name. Which one, Bachmeyer? I was telling my wife that when we were looking at it earlier. Hank Bachmeyer. Is that amazing? That is not a real name. You don't think like, that's, that's a real name? No way, man. That's that is way too close to a Hank Azaria character. Like there, I I hear Hank Bachmeyer, and I'm like, come on, man. That's like something that Phil Hartman would have voiced on The Simpsons in 1998. Well, it's the perfect thing for you know one of those TV shows that goes on during the day, those soap operas. I think that's one mm. of the, the, the strong character for that. And, and Brian Harson, head coach for Boise, said that it's it's not season ending that injury to to Bachmeyer which is going Good. to be your favorite uh, name in the future here. Uh, yes. hey, online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And finally, the NFL Network noting the Dallas Cowboys will be without right tackle Lyle Collins today with an MCL problem. Left tackle Tyron Smith has a sliver of hope that he'll play, and wide receiver Randall Cobb will monitor how his hip and back issues feel in pregame activities before making a decision about playing. Back to Jason Martin, or is that Hank Bachmeyer on the other side? It is. It is not. It is a great name, no question about that. My favorite name, still the former Kentucky football player whose first name was Mr. and his last name was Cobble. (laughs) <laughs> His name was Mr. Cobble, and I liked it so much, I trained Siri to call me Mr. Cobble and only refer to me as that for years and years. And then I changed phones and realized it's not like that anymore. These are the things I used to spend my time doing, and you wonder why I was single until I was 40. Oh Welcome God. back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out... Which way is easier? So we predicted a lot of these games, but there's still three more to get to, and we will go ahead and take a break now and extend that last segment so we can talk about those three games on the way out the door, plus a ridiculous fine in the NFL for what? Waving at an opponent? Yes, it costs somebody over ten grand because that's what extortion looks like in the NFL. We'll be right back. Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio. Man... You know it's Primus within four seconds, even if you've never heard the song. <laughs> it's always very frantic, huh? Yeah, and you just you know Les Claypool's bass when you hear it. And if you want to hear about something amazing, we've told you about it all show and all week and all month on Fox Sports Radio. It's Discover. They're matching all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year automatically. No limit. Millions of people getting cash back match. Learn more at discover.com slash cash back match fox sports sunday coming up next brian no andy Furman will be with you on that program so we have run down a lot of week six of the nfl and what we think is going to happen still a few games left do you guys have any different thoughts by the way from me on tennessee and denver thinking denver wins that game at home even though i think tennessee's probably the better football team they'll find a way to lose it because that's what tennessee does especially after a bad loss last year after they lost to buffalo they got absolutely annihilated and shut out by the Ravens and then went to London and lost to the Chargers. 
they lose to Buffalo at home, and now they go to Denver, and they're expected to answer that bell. I just don't trust them enough right now. That sounds like you got all the points there. <laughs> yeah. Dallas at New York. That means the Jets, but it wouldn't matter. The other New York team already lost to the New England Patriots. The Jets are bad, like real bad. Dallas needs a win. They've had a couple of bad performances in a row that have all the I hate Dak Prescott people out in force. I don't necessarily believe in Dak, but Dak's going to win this game on the road. If they lose to the Jets, then you can really start to have an argument. But Dallas should win this game easily, right? Like nobody, nobody here on this show believes that that could potentially go the way of the Jets. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't see the Jets winning this. Congratulations, Sam Darnold coming back from mono, yes. getting over that. But I don't think he's going to come back and be ready to go right away against a Cowboys defense. So it's, no. no. My question is, how much will Dak actually have to do with a win for Dak this week? I feel I, I think it's going to be a feed Zeke kind of weekend for, for the Cowboys. Well, you, you thought that would happen last week, and it, the last couple of weeks, Zeke's just kind of not been nearly as big a focus as he should be, so maybe they get back to that. I think you're right. I think they will run him a lot on the road, and he will pay dividends for him. Pittsburgh at Los Angeles is a Sunday night game. It seemed like it was going to be a good choice for you if you're NBC to start out the year. Steelers at Chargers, two teams you think Chargers at least a wild card, Pittsburgh probably at least a wild card. Not so much now. You got Mason Rudolph and that nasty injury that he suffered. The Chargers have not been good at all. Their chances to make the postseason before the season started, I think, were in the high 60s. They're now in the 20s. They're missing. They're having special teams problems. Derwin James is out for a while, and that's a big loss. They just don't look right at all. It's not nearly as appetizing a matchup as we thought it was going to be at season's beginning. But when you look at just the injuries in Pittsburgh in particular offensively and not being able to trust Juju to be a consistent number one on every series, I would say the Chargers probably should win this game. Although... It's the Chargers, so you never know, right? Yeah, we're 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 primed for some good Philip Rivers, um, you know, pouty faces. That's for sure. I'm thinking, no matter no matter the outcome, I'm sure we'll get a, a good Philip Rivers meltdown at some point during the game. Yeah. And then Monday, Chris, this is your neck of the woods. Detroit at Green Bay. This Green is probably Bay. the most important Monday night game I've seen in a while. Like for Detroit, for you mean? Detroit, for Detroit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how do you see this playing out? Ah, man, this is rough because, as I've said, the Lions have shown they know how to game plan for these. And they've had the Packers number the last few years in Lambeau, but I I don't know. The Lions have the rest. The The Packers have this energy. I think the Lions can trip them up, though, but I am I want to hear what other people think because I'm still really hesitant to take the Lions. It just I, I don't know at this point if it'll just be close but not enough or just yeah, I, I I don't I I hate saying I don't know, but I don't know. Eric, how do you feel about this one? I I I never bet against Aaron Rodgers in prime time. I just mm-hmm. I can't do it. It's, it's tough for me. To, even when he had his little downswing, you know, he's not what he used to be. It's just I, I it always seems like Rodgers and and Russell Wilson, the ball will always be in their hand last second and you, until it's triple zeros. I I can't bet against them. We've heard Devontae Adams is not going to play, right? Which is a big yeah, loss. He's out. That's a, that's a big loss, and Jones has been fined what ten thousand for waving at an opponent last week. 
which they called a taunting penalty. They fined him 10-5 for taunting the Cowboys' Byron Jones because that's what the NFL is in the business to do. Stafford's had a better year than Aaron Rodgers. 1,122 yards, nine touchdowns, two interceptions for Stafford. He's a really good player that hasn't had a ton of talent around him, and I think he's always been a bit underrated. This is a game that the Lions could win, but you're telling me that they're going to go on the road and win this game against Green Bay on the road? I can't go there. I think Green Bay goes to 5-1, and one, and the Lions are 2-2-1. Two, two and one. Hate to say that for Chris Perfett. Fox Sports Sunday coming up next. Appreciate you hanging with me. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. I'll talk to you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel on Fox Sports Radio. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.